In March of 2001, Drew Bledsoe, an NFL quarterback, signed what was then a record-setting 10-year, $103 million contract with the New England Patriots. Big deal. He was their quarterback. They had put everything on the line. They had put it all out, and they had sold out for Drew Bledsoe. In week two of the 2001 season, a clean but very hard hit knocked Drew Bledsoe out of the game. They thought he had a concussion. Turned out it was much worse. It was a hemothorax, a season-ending injury for Drew Bledsoe. The prize record-setting quarterback that they had poured everything into was out for the season. The backup was an inexperienced second-year quarterback who had completed a total, actually thrown a total of three passes in his career and was a pitiful sixth-round draft pick. But that year, Tom Brady led the New England Patriots to their first Super Bowl win in an 11-3 season. From the depths of defeat... The season is over came an astounding victory and arguably the greatest quarterback to have played the game. That is a transition. That's the sort of change, transformation that we're going to be talking about today. A drastic snatching of victory from the depths of defeat. Turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 8. I want to remind you where we were at in Joshua chapter 8. You see, the city of Jericho, as Israel marched into the land, the city of Jericho stood as the first major obstacle. But God gave the victory. Our scripture memory verse is Hebrews 11.30. Let's do this together. Hebrews 11.30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after the army had marched around them for seven days. Hebrews 11.30. God had brought the walls of Jericho down. Israel was at the pinnacle. But what followed was stunning defeat. Achan had stolen from none other than God himself. And God brought Achan's judgment on the entire nation of Israel as they turned their backs and fled before the pitiful city of Ai. Defeat. Achan's sin was dealt with. But if you were an Israelite, if I was an Israelite, I think I would wonder, will we ever get back to that great victory that we had just achieved? Is it possible to ever see victory like the likes of Jericho after defeat like the likes of Achan? So turn in your Bibles to Joshua 8, and let's start with verses 1 and 2. Joshua 8, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Take the whole army with you and go up and attack Ai. 
for I have delivered it into your hands, the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. You shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king, except that you may carry off their plunder and livestock for yourselves. Set an ambush behind the city. What we're going to see is that God is a God of reassurance and restoration. You see, defeat is part of fallenness. It's part of living in a fallen world. We fail. We sin, and we struggle, and we fail. But God is not a God who leaves us in that failure. He doesn't give us the great victory of salvation only to leave us with our sin after that. No, God is a God who restores and reassures. He is a God who gives us victory and gives us more victories. He is a God who takes care of the sin problem, not just once, but forever. So I want you to note the first thing that God promises Joshua. He gives a reassurance of his provision. God reassures his provision. Look at the statement that he says. He says, do not be afraid. Then he says, do not be discouraged. Joshua had just experienced devastating defeat because of Achan's sin. But God's commands are, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. If you go back to Joshua 1.9, which we talked about a while ago now, and you look at the command that Joshua was originally given back in Joshua 1, God said to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. The exact same words. You see, God is saying God restores. Verse 1 concludes in Hebrew with a cal perfect verb. I have given the city to you. It's as if God is saying it's a done deal. This is already taken care of. You do not have to worry about this any longer. This is resolved. The only real difference between AI and Jericho, as far as you're concerned, is going to be that you get to take the things out of AI. God is saying, done, finished. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. God is a God of reassurance and restoration. The gospel also for us today provides assurance and restoration. Last week, we began the sermon talking about the gospel because we cannot talk about sin without talking about the gospel because the gospel is the only solution. Accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior is the only solution to sin. But even after accepting Jesus as your Savior, you will still sin. And God forgives those sins. God is a God of assurance and restoration. Nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus. Simply put, your trust in the death and resurrection of Jesus is a permanent solution to sin. But you may still struggle. And to those of you who still struggle with sin, that's all of us, okay? For those of you who still struggle with sin, I want you to know that God restores relationship. God is the God of restoration and reassurance. So I have an action step for you. 
I want you to ask yourself, take a minute and think, where do I need God's restoration and reassurance? Where are there sins in my heart where I need to confess these to God and ask him to restore and reassure me of the victory that he's already accomplished in the cross? Ask yourself, where do I need God's restoration and reassurance? Let's move forward. Let's go to verses 3 through 9 as we continue this story of the conquest of Ai. Remember, Israel had been defeated at Ai. Now God has promised victory. Verses 3 through 9 is going to tell us how that's going to be accomplished. So Joshua and the whole army moved out to attack Ai. He chose 30,000 of his best fighting men and sent them out at night with these orders. Listen carefully. You are to set an ambush behind the city. Don't go very far from it. All of you be on alert. I and all those with me will advance on the city. And when the men come out against us, as they did before, we will flee from them. They will pursue us until we have lured them away from the city, for they will say, they are running away from the city as they did before. So, when we flee from them, you are to rise up from ambush and take the city. The Lord your God will give it into your hand. When you have taken the city, set it on fire. Do what the Lord has commanded. See to it, you have my orders. Then Joshua sent them off, and they went to the place of ambush, and lay in wait between Bethel and Ai, to the west of Ai, but Joshua spent the night with the people. What I want you to see here is that God does not need us all, but he does want us all to serve. Remember what had been said earlier at the defeat of Ai, what had happened? They had sent spies to look at the city of Ai. The spies came back and said, don't send everyone. It's just a small group. I argued that it was basically a group of farmers that had taken refuge behind the ancient city walls. It's just a small group of people camped out in the city of Ai. Take it easy. Just send a few. The defeat had been devastating. It wasn't because they had sent a few. It was because of sin in the camp. But the defeat had still been there. Now God gives the command take the whole army. Joshua took the whole army because God is going to use everybody. God did not need the whole army to defeat Ai. God had already defeated Jericho. Jericho is a bigger city. Jericho is a bigger foe. All the people had done was go for a walk, and God had taken care of the rest. God did not need the people, but Joshua took the whole army. Because God was going to use the whole army. This got me thinking. God doesn't need any of us. He could accomplish salvation of those whom he's called without our help. He could reach to the ends of the world without our help. In fact, frankly, it'd probably be easier. Because we tend to screw things up. But God wants each of us to serve. 
God wants to use us. He uses different people for different jobs. We see this right here in the text in Joshua. Joshua is told to assign out some different people to different jobs. One group is going to be a forward-facing group that gets in front of the city just like before. Another group is going to go off behind the city and hide out. And then, as we'll read later, there's a third group that their job is to go cut off reinforcements from Bethel. So he assigns people to different jobs. He puts out roughly 30 strike teams behind the city, as God gives different people different jobs. I think, one, it shows individual value. When you have different people with different jobs, each of us as individuals have a role, and that's important. It is just good practice to get people involved. So at the university, I used to study organizational change, organizational transformation, how large organizations change, and then how they sustain that change. Because it's one thing to change an organization, it's a whole other thing to sustain such a change. And there's a, it's a morbid term, but I love the term because it's, it's really descriptive once you hear it, um, for an organization. We call it the truck number of an organization. So the truck number of an organization is the number of people that can hit by a truck and the organization still continue on. <laughs> That's what it is. And a healthy organization has a truck number greater than one. An unhealthy organization that will not be able to sustain change has a truck number of one. One person who has done everything, that knows where everything's at, that leads everything. That's not God's model. God's model involves involving everybody. God wants us all involved. He wants us serving. He wants us individually pushing forward, taking a role. So I've got an action step. If God doesn't need us all, but he wants us all, my action step is then to commit to loyally answering God's call. What does God have for you? We just heard in the announcements of an opportunity to serve international students. Is God calling you to that? Is God calling you to serve our church in the nursery or on live stream or singing or teaching a Sunday school class, leading one of our home group Bible studies, or any number of roles that we have, I want to tell you that God wants to use each and every one of us. God has a purpose for us. God has a call. God used the entire army, and it worked well. Let's go on to verses 10 through 19. Early the next morning, Joshua mustered his army. He and the leaders of Israel marched before them to Ai. The entire force that was with him marched up and approached the city and arrived in front of it. They set up camp north of Ai with the valley between them and the city. Joshua had taken about 5,000 men and set them in ambush between Bethel and Ai. To the west of the city, so the soldiers took up their positions with the main camp to the north of the city and the ambush to the west of it. That night, Joshua went into the valley. When the king of Ai saw this, he and all the men of the city hurried out early in the morning to meet Israel in battle at a certain place overlooking the Arabah. But he did not know that an ambush had been set against him behind the city. Joshua and all Israel let themselves be driven back before them, and they fled toward the wilderness. 
All the men of Ai were called to pursue them, and they pursued Joshua and were lured away from the city. Not a man remained in Ai or Bethel who did not go after Israel. They left the city open and went in pursuit of Israel. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Hold out toward Ai the javelin that is in your hand, for into your hand I will deliver the city. So Joshua held out toward the city the javelin that was in his hand. As soon as he did this, the men in ambush rose quickly from their position and rushed forward. They entered the city and captured it and quickly set it on fire. What I want you to see here is that God's works at times are obvious, but at other times he works through his people. I want you to notice the walls of Jericho had come falling down Our memory verse tells us, by faith. God clearly worked in Jericho. Nobody could question. Here, God chose to work differently. Instead of miraculously bringing the walls down, God worked differently. So, as a child, I remember singing Amazing Grace. And I remember the lyrics, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. And I remember thinking about that 10,000 years, 10,000 years. It's a long time. I'm going to get bored. I'm going to get bored. And then my dad, he, he would tell the congregation, we're going to change the lyrics and we're going to uh, change the word thousand to million. And I'm like, no, I'm going to get really bored. God did something different. In Jericho, God's works were clear. He brought the walls down. But here in Ai, God chose to work through his people. And as I've matured a little and grown up, what I've come to realize is that God does things differently because God's not going to get boring. God works through his people. It's not going to get boring. I'm actually convinced in eternity God's going to have stuff for us to do. And it's going to be fun. And I'm looking forward to 10 million years of different things that God has for me to do. But God works differently. He had worked clearly in Jericho. Here he worked, instead of clearly bringing the walls down, he asked the people to get involved. And look at the strategy. It's actually really cool what happens. Joshua and the largest part of the army stand in front of the city. Meanwhile, 30 strike units have gone behind the city, and five units have gone off to cut off any reinforcements from Bethel. The king of Ai sees this large Israelite army and thinks, well, here we go again. First phase, same thing again. Worked before, let's try it again. He chases out of the city, starts chasing down the Israelites, and what do they do? They whip around, just like before, and take off. But this time, it's different. The strike force comes out from behind the city, captures the city, burns the city, and then comes in behind the soldiers of Ai. And the battle goes very clearly in Israel's direction. But I want you to notice what Joshua is doing. Look in verse 18. Joshua, with his javelin, his instrument of war, is not using it as an instrument of war. He's holding it up at the command of God. 
Last time somebody held up an instrument, it was a staff, and it was Moses holding it up to God as a symbol that God is the one who's giving the victory. I think that's what's going on here. It doesn't directly state it, but I think that we're supposed to catch the parallel. That Joshua is holding it up as a symbol that this is God's victory. Joshua's not engaged in battle, but he actually is. He's engaged in the ultimate act of battle, prayer to God for the victory that's taking place. God's works were through his people in verses 10 through 19. So let me give you an action step, something that you can do, that you can implement. I want you to think for a second. Retrospectively look. How is God working through his people? Because sometimes we get to see the walls of Jericho come crashing down and we say, wow, God showed up. But I will tell you that right now God's still here. Even if you don't see God's work in an obvious way of the walls crashing down, God is still working through his people. Look for it. Don't let the moment go without looking for how God's working. It's an opportunity to grow our faith, to see our God at work. Well, let's continue with verses 20 through 29. The men of Ai looked back and saw the smoke of the city rising up into the sky, but they had no chance to escape in any direction. The Israelites, who had been fleeing toward the wilderness, had turned back against their pursuers. For when Joshua and all Israel saw that the ambush had taken the city and that smoke was going up from it, they turned around and attacked the men of Ai. Those in the ambush also came out of the city against them, so that they were caught in the middle with the Israelites on both sides. Joshua cut them down, leaving them neither survivors nor fugitives, but they took the king of Ai alive and brought him to Joshua. When Israel had finished killing all the men of Ai in the fields and in the wilderness, where they had chased them and where every one of them had been put to the sword, all the Israelites returned to Ai and killed those who were in it. 12,000 men and women fell that day, all the people of Ai. For Joshua did not draw back the hand that had held out his javelin until he had destroyed all who lived in Ai. But Israel did carry off for themselves the livestock and plunder of this city, as the Lord had instructed Joshua. So Joshua burned Ai and made it a permanent heap of ruins, a desolate place to this day. He impaled the body of the king of Ai on a pole and left it there until evening. At sunset, Joshua ordered them to take the body from the pole and throw it down at the entrance of the city gate, and they raised a large pile of rocks over it, which remained to this day. What I want you to see in this passage is that God is faithful to complete what he has started. God provided a complete victory. There's five pieces of evidence in this passage of God's victory. The king of Ai was captured in verse 23, evidence of God's victory. The army of Ai was defeated in verse 24, evidence of God's victory. The clans of people within the city were killed in verses 24 through 25, 
It says 12,000 in our translation. I would probably myself translate that as 12 clans, 12 family units. The city was burned in verse 28, and the king was killed in verse 29. God's victory was complete. God had fulfilled what he had promised to do. He had brought Ai to total destruction. Actually, the destruction is so total that while we do know where Jericho is today, we do not actually know where Ai is today. We have a guess. And there's debate about which one it is. Because they brought the city to complete ruin. In fact, I want you to notice what they do with the king of Ai. They bury him under a pile of stones. There have been two other instances where stones have been significant in the book of Joshua so far. The first was an altar or a memorial on crossing the Jordan. Remember, Joshua grabbed stones from the middle of the Jordan and brought them out. A great victory. The second was over Achan's body. Another memorial that they didn't want to forget of the reality of sin, the devastation of sin. And now the third is a pile at the front of Ai as a memorial of God's victory. Turn in your Bibles to Philippians 1.6. I love the book of Philippians. I want to remind you that God has started working on us. And the same God who was faithful to deliver Ai will be faithful to complete what he has started in us. Philippians 1.6 states, being confident of this, that he who begun a good work in you will carry it out onto completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul in Philippians is talking about salvation. The good work that has been started in us is salvation. When we accept Jesus as our Savior, God cleanses us from sin. But we still struggle with sin. Just like after the victory of Jericho, sin crushed Israel. After salvation, sin can still crush us. It can't defeat us, but it can still be crushing. But we can be confident that just as God gave victory in Ai, so God will complete what he has started in us. Salvation is that moment when you accept that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and that you completely depend on Christ's death as payment for your sins. But what follows is still life. We don't go to heaven the minute we accept Jesus as our Savior. We still live in a fallen world, and we still sin. But we can be confident in this, that he who has started a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. Paul says that he has been persuaded of this. He uses the perfect tense. What he says is that I am convinced And it's not just that I'm convinced right now. I have been convinced, and that has lasting effects today because I know that what God has started, he will complete. So I want you to ask yourself today, what does it mean to know that God has started to change your heart, to make you more like Christ, 
to know that there is a day coming when you will no longer sin. But right now, if you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, that change has already started. You can turn the sin over to God. You can trust his complete, faithful restoration. He will bring you that restoration if you simply go to him in faith. We could continue on, but we're going to hold the rest of the chapter 8 back in Joshua. I'm going to save this in my back pocket. I have an idea when we're going to get to it. But we're going to skip over it for a bit because it's a cool passage. Verses 30 through uh, 35, we'll save those. There's some cool things going on there. What I want to emphasize today is God's restoration. Sin is a reality of life, but God restores. He brings back the victory. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are a God who doesn't just stop after that first defeat. We know that we have this great victory called salvation, this moment when we accept Jesus as our Savior, but yet sin still occurs in our life. Sin is still a battle that we wage, and you continue to give us victory after victory after victory. I thank you for the reminder in Joshua that your victory is a total victory, that your restoration is a complete restoration. I pray for any who are struggling with sin, that they would be strong and courageous, knowing that you have given them victory. They simply need to call on you. I pray that as a church, we would embrace the victory that comes from the cross. We as individuals cannot have victory over sin. You already have it. I pray that we'd embrace that victory and come to you to seek your forgiveness and your restoration. In Jesus' name, amen.